Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. There we go. Good morning, Portico. How is everybody doing? Nice and warm, isn't it? I love, that's why we're all sitting close together in the room, trying to snuggle up and keep nice and warm. Hey, a very special welcome. Jeff and Sharon Feuders are here today. Just wave at us, you guys. So good to have you back in the room. If you're uh, recent to the church, Jeff was my senior associate, and they're now uh, launched out and serving in ministry. They're here for a special meeting that we're having a little bit later today, but it's really great to have you here in the room with us, Jeff. And Jeff was actually instrumental in helping us not only move into multi-campus, but Portico Online. Those of you that are watching us today, thank you to Jeff for his leadership to get us out there as well. So give him a big hand and say thank you so much. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your Bibles out, get your apps, open up the app, the church app. We're going to follow up today. We're in our sixth week of our series. It's called Breakthrough, and we've been praying that you're going to have a breakthrough year. So we've been looking at this whole aspect of prayer, and it's actually been just amazing to hear your stories. Many of you have personally shared your stories with me. Thank you for doing that, because you've encouraged us, and we're, just, we're hearing reports of healing, of people that are seeing uh, job opportunities are coming, provision of finance. So all these different prayers that are being answered. And sometimes, you know, we feature people, but we're wondering, you know, what's happening in the church? So here, I want to give you permission, okay? Uh, Send me an email when God is answering your prayers, because I want to share it with our staff, share it with our prayer teams, our intercessors, to let them know, and then we'll share it with the church community. And it's easy to do this. My first initial, my last name, drind at porticocanada.ca. You have full permission to send me your answered prayers, but please don't send me the YouTube videos that you found cute. Everybody with me? I already get those. I got a whole stream of those coming in, but I'd love to hear your story because we pray for you and we're believing that this is going to be your breakthrough year and we want that for you. Here's what we've been learning together. So as we've been going through the series, we started off, why pray? Now, we know it's important to pray, so we ask other people to pray for us. That's typically what we do. We go, would you pray for me? I'm going through this. But what we stressed in that message was why it's important for you to pray why God wants to hear from you personally. And we moved in through that and just showed the goodness and the character of God and how much God just desires to have this relationship. And we even shared with you how to pray effectively. Do you know that's one of the biggest requests I get? People go, how can I know that I'm praying effectively? And we shared that. And then we walked into what do you do when you're leaning into a storm and you're struggling? And we had the opportunity last week, Laura came and joined me up here. By the way, all those emails saying that she should be the new senior pastor and I should take a leave... (laughs) That's not what I was hoping for, but uh, it was a great Sunday. I had a lot of fun, and so thank you, Laura, for being a part of that with me and sharing. Yeah, thank you. But we were, we were reminded last week that anything that we go through first goes through the hands of God, and that through His sovereignty, then He will allow us to journey through a storm, because whatever we go through is always going to be for God's glory. We know that. And as we're learning in prayer, that's what we want to grow into. Well, today I want to move us into a whole new topic and into a new part of conversation around prayer. It's, it's an area, well, the only way to say it is this. When we have to deal with it, we prefer to avoid it. And if somebody asks us about it, we dance around it. 
And if they ask for a straight answer, we tend to move towards a trite or a cliche response. And it's this. It's when a friend of yours or somebody in your growth group asks you point blankly, why isn't God answering my prayer? And there's that moment that we pause because we've had that same personal experience. And we go, God, why are you answering my prayer? And we wrestle with the moments when God says no. We perceive that God says no. Because I stand up here and I talk about answered prayer and God's testimonies and what's going on in the church world. And then we struggle because we go, well, why isn't God answering my prayer? So we want to have a look at that today. Because if you're in that journey, I want to give you some help. And if you're not, I'll guarantee you, you're going to pray many, many prayers over the course of your life. And there are going to be moments that you're going to come right back to this message today. And you're going to go, I am so glad we took time to deal with this. So get your Bibles out. We're going to read this together. Go to the book of Mark. If you're new to the Bible, go to the middle. Take a right hand turn. You'll find the Gospels. Look up Mark. Go to chapter 11, and here's what we read. This is Jesus speaking. He says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. And truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer and believe that you have received it, it will be yours. I love this. Because this is a verse that stirs conviction and emotion and raw passion. Because it says if you ask for anything and you believe it, God's going to answer your prayer, right? Oh no, we're in an interactive church. You've got to work with me here. That's what it says, right? Okay. Now, a couple of things that I want to really be clear about. I am so glad that God doesn't answer that prayer literally. I'll tell you why. I think there have been many well-meaning Christians that have stood in front of a mountain range and said, hey, you go cast into the sea. If, if God answered those prayers, we'd have no Rocky Mountains, no Appalachians, no Andes, no Himalayas, because some of you, you just wanted to put God to the test. How many of you prayed that way? Don't, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. That's what we want to do, right? We read a verse like that. The Bible says it. Jesus promised it. I'm going to practice it. And we don't understand when God doesn't answer that prayer. So aren't we grateful that you can go to Thornbury and go skiing because some good Christian didn't cast that mountain up into the lake? So glad that God doesn't answer every prayer. There was a time when I graduated from high school and I went to Edmonton and I joined the uh, youth, young adult group up there and they did a retreat. So we were out on this retreat and you know, retreats are great. That's why parents love sending their kids there. We get them all pumped up, sugared up, send them back home. They're going to take the mountain for Jesus. And then they crash within about two days of coming home. And I was on one of those retreats and I was one of those kids. So we got up there and they were teaching and it was great. It was exciting. Everybody was in the chalet and I walked outside by myself just to do a little bit of a prayer walk. And I remembered what Jesus had said when Jesus spoke to the wind and the wind stopped. I thought, that's so cool, isn't it? That we could do that. Then I remembered this verse where he said, if you speak to the mountain, believe in your heart, it will be done. So there was a strong western wind blowing right at me, and I thought, hey, Jesus said this is possible. Why don't I do this? And so I just stood out there, looked towards the west, wind whipping through my hair, and I just said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And you wouldn't believe what happened. Nothing. Nothing. It's like the wind blew harder. I think the ferocity increased a couple of knots. It just like kept blowing. And there was this moment in there where I was just absolutely stunned because it says, hey, if you'll do this, but we've all had these moments. Now listen carefully. I want you to catch this. 
It's not the mountain-tossing portion of this verse of Scripture that creates challenges to our prayer life. It's not when Jesus said, speak to the mountain. There's a context here that we don't often understand. It's not speak to the mountain and it's going to be thrown into the sea that causes us confusion and doubts in our prayer life. It's this verse. Look in your Bibles. Look at verse 24, Mark 11. I tell you, you can pray for, what does it say? Anything. You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. How many times have you prayed and God didn't answer? How many times have you leaned in on this verse and you said, Jesus, it's right there, it's in the scriptures. You said, I can ask for anything, and if I believe in my heart and I, in my heart and I don't doubt, it's going to be mine. And there are some of you, and you have prayed and prayed and prayed, and you're still praying, and you're going, God, why aren't you answering me? God, where are you? And it's in these moments that we start to do something that human nature just moves us off into this dark territory. We start to look at other people who have answered prayer and we go, how come their prayers answered? How come that person who was praying for healing, they got healing and I didn't get my healing? How come they got the better job when I prayed for the same thing and I needed a job? How come my marriage is still in shambles and other people get up and they talk about how God has just healed their marriage and brought it all back together? And then we go to this place and there's a shadow that slips over our soul. Because we start to believe that maybe we're not good enough. That, that maybe there's something wrong with us. We'll never say that. No, we'll never tell anybody that. But we begin to believe that because we think God's not listening to us. And everybody else talks about this answered prayer. Am I not good enough? Do I not have the right kind of faith? God, what do I need to do? And then doubt and discouragement and fear and uncertainty begins to slip in. And then eventually, if not guarded we begin to question not only our faith, but we begin to question whether or not I want to trust God. Do I even want to believe in God anymore? Now listen carefully. I need you to hear this so carefully. You may feel that God is not answering your prayers, but feelings are not fact. Okay? You may feel, and I'm not denying the feelings and the emotions, you may feel that God is not answering your prayers, but feelings are not fact. Your feelings can mislead you and take you on the pathway of doubt if you don't understand the truth of what God has promised you. So write this verse down. Go to your growth groups. I want you to talk about this. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Here's what the Lord says. Call to me, and I will answer you. Okay, stop. I just unpacked this real quickly. God says, call. God doesn't give an invitation if he's not willing to listen. So the creator of our universe, the one who is sovereign and supreme, the one who is all-powerful, who can speak and stop the winds, who can speak the word and create brand new. God says, I want you to call. But more importantly, he goes, and I will answer. This is important because some of you are going, God's not answering my prayers. He is. I'm going to show you why, but he is. And then you just did a disqualification. You go, well, okay, some people call and God answers some people. What does the Bible say? I will answer who? You. God says, you call to me and I will answer you. 
That is a promise. I don't know what else you write down in your Bibles or your notes, what you have in your desktop, but that's a verse of Scripture you need to hold on to real tight today because as we wrap up this series, if you want to see a breakthrough in your prayer life in 2019, you have to understand that when you speak and you call to God, God is already listening towards you. His eyes are bent towards the righteous. His ears are bent towards the righteous. He wants to hear from you. So as you get into this verse and you begin to understand it, God answers every single prayer. He may not answer your prayer the way you want him to. Because what do we want? We want yes. We want the quick, easy, convenient answer to our prayers. When I pray, here's my problem, here's what I would like, God, you need to answer my prayer. God answers your prayer, but it may not be the way you expect him to. Write this down if you're taking some notes today. God never leaves a prayer unanswered. No is an answer. No is an answer. Wait is an answer. He may want us to linger a little while. Grow is definitely an answer. The delay is to cause us to grow up, just like yes is an answer. And over the course of your life, you are going to pray so many prayers that you feel God is not listening to you. And you need to come back to this and realize, I need to look for what the other answer was. Because I'm expecting the yes, and maybe God has already given me a no, or maybe God has said wait, or maybe God is saying, I need you to grow a little bit. We'll unpack this in a couple of moments. But as you're writing this down, I want you to take this into the background. When God says no, there's a reason for the why. When God says wait, he knows when is coming. And when God says he wants you to grow, he knows what the goal of that is. So it's not always just the yes that gets us through to our answer for the breakthrough. Sometimes it's that no, it's the wait, it's the grow. That builds us up into a faith where we become resilient. And as followers of Christ, we're able to understand this is what it is to have uh, breakthrough prayers. So if we really believe that God is sovereign and that God answers prayer, he says, call to me and I'll answer you. So what do you do when you feel like God has said no? Watch that. What do you do when you feel that maybe God has said no to you? I want to give you four responses. In your notes, we're going to talk about this. Only one viable solution here, and the word is trust. We need to learn how to trust. So in your notes, I want you to write this down because you're going to be at some point in your life, you need this, or get into the growth groups this week. Help each other out with this because we're all going through our challenges when it comes to our prayers. Number one, trust that God is acting with love and goodness on your behalf. You need to trust that God is acting with love and goodness on your behalf. In the very moment that we get a no, we immediately begin to wonder, what did we do wrong? Why didn't I qualify? Why didn't God step into my story? Should I do something different? Should I believe different? Do I need to increase my faith capacity? And what we miss here is that God is always acting with love and kindness towards us. But so often, it's our desires or a hurt, or a disappointment, or our doubts that gets in the way. But listen to what it says in Jeremiah 31, verse 3. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. That God loves you immeasurably more than you can imagine today. Some of you are going through incredible bouts of pain and disappointment in your life. And you need to hear this. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting, and I still love you with an everlasting love. He sees us in the middle of that journey, and what he's looking for is when we're going, God, why? He says, you need to know what? Trust me right now. My love and my goodness is going to carry you through this season. It's easy to forget that when the answer is not what we're expecting, we think it's a denial. But in fact, it really is based upon love. Those of you that are parents in the room, quick show of hands. How many have said no to their kids? 
Look at both hands are going up all across the room. It's like, ah, if you knew my kids, it was every day. Parents know something about raising kids that kids don't know. There are times that you have to say no for their best interest, correct? I remember when Kyle was growing up and we'd be at home and, you know, they start to go through that season of life where they start to grow and they want to stay up later and later and later. And as parents, we understand something. They go from the high burst energy phase into the high burst cranky phase that if they don't get enough sleep, they are like a bear to live with the next day. By the way, we are too. It's just that we should know better. We should go to bed and get our sleep. So parents, when you're parenting, there are moments in our lives that we know we have to say no to our kids, and they don't understand that. They will pout and scream and cry and throw tantrums because they want their way, and we're not all that different. When we pray to God and we go, God, this is what I want, and then when we don't get it, we pout, we scream, we cry, we throw a tantrum, and God goes, hey, if you knew that I was acting in love and goodness towards you, you wouldn't act this way, but it's so easy to forget. So God always acts towards us in this capacity. Let me share an illustration of how this works. Uh, Some of you remember the story, John chapter 11. Jesus is with his disciples. He gets word that Lazarus is seriously ill. So Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus, friends of Jesus, very, very close friends, they send word down to Jesus that your friend Lazarus is desperately ill. And they'd seen Jesus do some remarkable things. You agree? Okay, so they saw Jesus do some things that blew their mind. They're going, if we could get Jesus on the ground, this man is definitely a prophet and a miracle worker. He could heal our brother, his friend. Everything is going to be okay. And so they send word to Jesus, and Jesus gets word, and he goes, okay, thanks for that. And they go, are you coming back? And he goes, no, not right now. How many of you would like a friend like that? I need your help. Not right now. So that's what he did. Look, John chapter 11, in your notes, verse 5 and 6, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. So when you call the church and ask for a pastor to come and visit you, we're going to wait for 48 hours to see if you're sick or not. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. So Jesus waits. There's something disturbing about this response. Because we're so wired up to be compassionate towards our friends and immediately respond to the needs of our friends. Yes? Okay, you're my friend and you're my friend. The rest of you, you're not even there yet. We're so wired up when a friend is in need that we would do anything to help a friend out. And Jesus goes, I'm going to wait for two days. And you go, why would he do that? Now, we've read the rest of the story. They didn't have that. So Jesus waits for two days. Here's what Jesus understood. He knew that he could take care and heal Lazarus. And if he healed Lazarus, it would be a great story. And everybody would go, thank you. And Mary and Martha would be thrilled that he healed. But Jesus was on kingdom mission purpose. He understood that what he was doing was far greater than one man's story, that what he was about to do would actually turn the hearts of people towards a loving heavenly father, that they begin to believe in the power of the kingdom of God that is coming on earth. So he delays and he says, no, I'm not going to go there. And when he finally does get there, the ladies are all upset with Jesus. Why did you do that? Now let's go to the Lazarus moment. Because we know that if he would have healed Lazarus, it would have been a very cool story, but that's what it would have been, a healing. Now, can you guys role play? Okay, can you imagine for a moment you're Lazarus? Everybody good? Okay, so you're, boy, you guys are hard. Too cold today. Okay, you can imagine you're Lazarus, right? Okay, there we go. Now you're Lazarus. So I'm Jesus, you're Lazarus. I could have shown up. And I could have said, oh, you got pneumonia. Hey, let's pray for you. Healed you. Oh, you got the flu. Let's pray for you. Let's heal you. 
And you'll get up and you go, look at that. I was sick and I'm whole. Isn't Jesus wonderful? And everybody goes, I want Jesus to heal me too someday. But you died. You died. And you stink. That's what the Bible says. You're in the grave. You stink. So Jesus shows up and he calls Lazarus out of the grave. What testimony do you want that I was sick and he healed me? Or I was dead and he healed me. He was dead, and because he was dead, he comes up. I think it's so cool. Lazarus comes up. I was dead, and check me out. Now, that's a shawarma moment, isn't it? You go down and share shawarmas at the marketplace and go, look at me. And everybody's going, you were the dead guy. Here's what Jesus understood. We forget we're on mission with Jesus. We're here to help people find their way back to God. That's what Paul understood. For me to live is Christ, to die is to gain. But our selfish desires want our personal comfort before we're willing to give our commitment to what the cause of Christ is. And so when you look at this and you understand that God is always acting in his love and goodness towards us, and Jesus knew that if he would delay just a little bit, and what happened as a result of that healing, that miracle, that uh, resurrection, the Bible says that the people who came to mourn with Mary and Martha turned towards Jesus. They turned their hearts towards and believed in him. In fact, it got so overwhelming that the crowds of people began to turn towards Jesus that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law said, we need to do something about this because the entire nation is now turning towards this man. See, when God is working through our pains and our disappointments, his kingdom is prevailing on this earth. Can he heal in an instant? Absolutely, and he does. Can we have the right to ask for healing? Absolutely, and we can. But when we perceive there's a no, or we're not sure he heard, never doubt that God is still acting in love and goodness towards you. You can trust him on this. Number two, write this down. You need to trust that God's plan is much, much better than your desires. Trust that God's plan is better than your desires. There are times when God says no, and it can simply be explained that God's perspective and understanding of our future is better than our limited understanding, and he looks towards our future, and when he says no, and we may chafe against that, but when he says no, he sees that there's a reason, and he's going to perform in the middle of that reason. And let's, let's be honest. There are times when we pray prayers that are conflicted. Let me explain. There are times that People are praying prayers that are opposite of each other. And if you don't believe me, let me illustrate. Last Sunday night, some of you were praying for the L.A. Rams. (laughs) And some of you were praying for Tom Brady and the Patriots. And all of you were praying, God, let my team win. I think when it comes to sports, God has a special file. May the best team with the fewest mistakes win. That's where all those prayers go. Now, it's a humorous way to look at it, but it's true. There are times that we're praying, and one group of people is praying one way, and the other group of people is praying the other way. I used to live out in the prairies. There were days that we were praying for sunshine, and the farmers were praying for rain because they wanted those crops to go. So God goes, hmm, sunshine, sunburn, a little bit of rain, crops are productive. I'm glad he's sovereign and divine, and I am not in charge because people, I would mess up this world every time you prayed to me. But this is the whole part. God understands his plan is so much better than our plan, and his perspective has to come into play. In your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. 
Let me read this for you. You can write it down as a reference. Go back and look at it. Here's what it says. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This is such an important principle to grasp because when we struggle with our prayer, we have this limited understanding, and our desires and our preferences get in the way of God's purposes and his plans. And so we struggle with this because we go, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? Here's something that I know to be true, and this is for all of us in the room and those that are watching online. Uh, most people, you don't have to raise a hand, most people are inverse on their income debt ratios. In fact, according to the Canadian statistics right now, on average across our country, from our take-home pay, for every $1 of take-home pay after taxes, the average Canadian owes $1.78 in debt. That's double what we were 20 years ago. So our consumer debt ratio is just starting to spike off the end. So that tells me that there's something that we all know to be true in common for most of us in the room, that we have more consumer debt than we have income to pay for the consumer debt, which means we've probably all prayed, oh God, help me with my finances. Help me get a better job. Help me get a better paying job. God, help me pay down this debt. Help me win the... Oh, you guys are the guys that prayed that. Okay. (laughs) Just, I wanted to know who are the people that prayed that prayer. No, we do that, right? God, help me win the lottery. Why? Because the lottery is the quick fix to the problem. So we go, God, if you just help me win the lottery, I wouldn't have any of these problems. Here's why God didn't let you win the $10 million this past weekend. You should have saved the money. I could have told you the answer. Here's why you didn't win the $10 million. God's more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. God knows that the challenge with our finances for a lot of us has to do with our habits, our spending, our choices, and our lifestyle that we don't want to live inside of our means, but we see something that's newer, better, brighter, and shinier, and we want it. So we will put it on credit. We'll buy it early. We'll talk about paying it down later. And we will move from debt to debt to debt to debt. As long as we can make the minimum payments, we're going to live in the world. And God goes, you know what? I can give you $10 million. You'll do it the same way. You'll spend the money the same way. So you go, well, okay, but, okay, but God said he'd answer my prayer. Those of you that need help with your finances and you're praying, God answered your prayer today. You go, no, I don't think so. No, don't pull your apps out and don't look up your bank account. God answered your prayer today. Just before I walked up here, there was a little video. It was called Cap Money Course. And you go, what's that got to do with my finances? The reason we do a Cap Money Course at the church is because it's a biblically-based stewardship model to help people understand on your earning, your spending, your savings, your giving, how to use principles that will actually liberate your lifestyle no matter what your pay scale is so that you can steward your life according to God's principles, not according to culture. Because we are so prone to move with culture that we overspend. But when we understand God's principles, we get a handle on our life. You don't need more money. You need a better handle on the money that you already have. And when you can get a better handle on the money that you have, maybe then God goes, hey, you're a good steward. I can figure out what to do and how to bless you even more. And so we pray, God, rescue me from my finances. And if you've been waiting for that, you need to sign up for the Cap Money course and come out and learn what it is to get a handle on your finances in a biblical way. See, God answers prayer. Sometimes we just miss where the answer is coming from. And that's why God is so powerful when it comes to understanding our prayer life. 
Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I know I completely decimated a whole bunch of you that are holding your next lottery ticket. And so if you do win, come and see me. We'll talk about spending that together. But for the rest of you, save your money. Let's move on. Number three, what do you do when you feel like God has said no to you? Trust that God's grace is going to enable you to stand strong. Just trust that God's grace is going to enable you to stand strong. And I I need to speak to this. We love the church. Laura and I, we just, we pray for our church. We love the people that are part of all of our campuses, the people that are online. Uh, So many that we haven't met personally, but we've passed you in the hallway. We've seen you. We've been able to chat briefly with you. We just love this church. And when we, we pray for the church, let me tell you one of the hardest moments I have as a pastor it's when you're having a one-on-one conversation with somebody and they're pouring their heart out about their life situation and their story. There's a, a moment, invariably there's a moment that comes where they're asking the questions and I know what's going to come and they look at me and they'll go, Pastor, why? Why? And all I know inside of me is I wished I could conjure up some kind of answer that would meet what they're searching for. All I can tell them is I'm not God. Like my sister-in-law, Laura's sister, says, he's not God, he only works for God. (laughs) That's a great answer, I love that. But when that why question comes, you faced it, you've had friends, you've had family that have asked you why, and you search for the answer, here's what I've come to understand the longer that I serve God. There's a whole part of our journey that is completely in God's sovereign hands that we don't understand fully. That's when we're called to lean in and to trust. Now, here's what I want to do. If you take nothing else away from today, and hopefully not go buy a lottery ticket, but if you took nothing else away from today, would you do this? In your notes, would you type out or write down this? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Some of you go home today and make this the screensaver, uh, screensaver on your desktop, your laptop. Write it down and put it on a post-it note. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Here's what it says. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All I know is that now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Hold that verse We want perfect clarity today. Friends, we live in the middle of a broken world, hurting, wounded people. Sin, decay, and brokenness are part of our reality. So a couple of things that I take away from this is I know that I don't see everything perfectly, so I will search and pray and strive to find answers, but I know that ultimately, I'm 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 just not going to know until I get to heaven, that when I have a chance to stand before Jesus, and like you, there's a whole list of things I'm going to ask him. And here's what I think is going to happen. I have this whole list of why questions and what and how questions, and I think I'm going to stand before him, and when I see him, I'm going to go, huh, didn't matter. Didn't matter. He mattered. All my questions didn't matter. His grace was all I needed to stand strong no matter what I was going through. And I look at how we want to know clarity when we've already been told we're only going to see impartial where we are. So here's what I get, that when we get to heaven, we're going to know more. 
But I also realize, as Laura and I shared with you last Sunday, there are times in our lives where God will enable a storm to pass through his hands into our lives because he knows that we have potential to manage the storm. But he can also then write his purpose through our storm so that through our lives, other people will find their way back to God. So when I look at this, I go, then God, just give me more grace. Give me more grace. Does that mean we don't pray for healing? Not at all. We pray for healing. Does that mean we don't pray for deliverance? No, we pray for deliverance. We pray for finance. We pray for abundance. We believe for all those things because those are promises that God has given to us. But for some of us, and you're going through a storm and you go, why is God not answering my prayer? Could it be that maybe God is using your story and he's writing something that's so much bigger and he goes, if you'll trust me in this, my grace is more than you need to get you through. Some of you moms and dads, right now, you need to trust that God has your kids in his hands. You have to. That just hit me. There's somebody in this room, you're listening. You need to trust. He's got your kids. God will not fail you. And you are so worried in the moment about how you're going to control and bring those kids back into line. You need to pray and get your hands leaning into God's hands and let his grace strengthen you. And you need to chart a path where your kids can look at you and go, they never wavered, they never doubted. I'm standing here today because my parents never wavered in their faith. They didn't chase me and try to force me back into the church. I'm not as picture perfect as you see me today. You know that, right? You got a pretty messed up dude up here, and you should be grateful that you can pray and God can use me. But there were seasons in my life where I know my parents were wondering, God, is he ever going to come back into the family? And there were moments in my life where I know the only reason I came back into the family because I had parents who were diligent in prayer, and they stood in the grace of God, and they said, they are God's kids, not ours, and we're only stewarding their lives. So if you're in the room today, you need to hold that, okay? Here's Paul. Here's Paul when he talks about grace. He said, there was something in my life where I was struggling. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 8 and 9, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, and God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Isn't that cool? That Paul goes, hey, I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and this doesn't seem to be lifting. And then God says, hey, my grace is going to be greater, and my power is going to rest on you, so you don't have to wallow in despair and uncertainty. You can walk around and then go, you're sick. I know, but God's grace is good enough to carry me through this, because he may heal me tomorrow. He may heal me next week. I know, but his grace is good. Friends, get a hold of this. These aren't just words that somebody penned. This is God-breathed promises that he's given to us so that we can walk with full faith and full assurance. And I better stop or we're never going home. Number four, number four, trust, trust. Trust that God will never abandon me. Trust that God will never abandon me. This is big. Because when it feels like heaven is shut and it's like brass, and there's no voice resounding back to the answered prayer, here's what happens with human nature. We go, their prayer was answered. They're talking about hearing from God. I haven't heard from God. And feelings, and I said it earlier, this is why it's important today, feelings will mess us up every time because feelings are not based on fact. They're not based upon truth. Feelings need to be noticed, recognized, and dealt with but they're not based upon the truth. And the truth is that God says, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. I'll never forsake you. 
So even when it feels like we don't know where God is, God's there. Can I read something to you from David? This, this is the king. This is the shepherd boy. This is the singer, the psalmist, the one who wrote so many of the hymns and the psalms and the poetical literature that we love to read. Psalm 22. Listen to these words. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer me. And every night I lift my voice and I, and I find no relief. And I read those words and I go, whoa, David. You're the man that inspires me. You said, I cannot wait to go to worship with everybody when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord and let's worship together. You're the guy that said, no matter where I am on the face of the earth, I never have to worry because God has searched me and he knows me and he knows the inner workings of my life. And now you're the man that's going, God, where are you? I don't know what dark night of the soul the man was going through, but he penned those words that Jesus would pick up and they would echo the prophetic truth of them on the cross where Jesus would pray the same prayer. And my mind can't comprehend this, but there is a separation between God the Son and God the Father, so much so and so strong that Jesus would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the feeling that God is not there is a real feeling. But then I go back to David. Because right after Psalm 22 is Psalm 23. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, that's what trust is. Trust means that when you're in the darkest night of your soul, there is a dawn coming. There is a dawn that's coming. That when my prayers feel like they're not being answered, I can trust they are. So for some of us, God is growing us. For some of us, we're in a wait mode. For some, God's saying yes this week. And for others, he said no. But what I do know that I can say with certainty is this. God says, you call, I'll answer. And I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. That's good enough for me. I can do the rest. Amen? Amen. Father, this morning, that's what we pray. That when we come to these seasons of our life, Breakthrough prayer isn't always about the shouting and the joy and the elaboration of all that you have done for us. Sometimes the jubilation gives way to cries of desperation and hopelessness. But in the middle of all of our human emotions, the way you created us and you made us, we never have to wonder if you're with us. For you are the God that is for us, and we can trust you. So I pray that everyone listening to my voice today whether they're online, in a car, later listening, or in the service right now. Whatever it is that we have been working our way through, and there's that strong impression there are a lot of parents need to let their kids into this one. I pray that today, Father, if it's our health, our marriage, our finance, or our children, whatever my need, help us to trust because you're the God that's with us. And I thank you for that, and I pray it in Christ's name. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC. 